Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit us at unitechurchak.org. Now, enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. Whew, I just feel the Lord so strong today. Um, I believe there's a shift that God is wanting to do in our lives, but it's not, it, you, this thing I think God wants you to just get is it's about you as an individual. And so many times we get into collective thinking, and it's good to think about the collective, but the collective is awesome when the individual allows Jesus to be on the throne of his or her heart. Because then his spirit begins to move through all of us as we're all submitted. He can flow and weave and move through all of us and do unbelievable things. Because God's power is unlimited. And it lives in you. And it's supercharged in you and I when we allow Jesus to fully sit on the throne of our heart. That's not some distant place. I want you to imagine Jesus climbing up into the throne of your heart, and he's king. And when he's king, all the power of everything in him gets to move, not just in you, but in everybody. The song we're singing about Holy Spirit move like only you can do, or whatever the words are, because I forget them like two seconds later. That's about him moving as king in all of us, not just in a worship song. About our lives being truly laid down as an act of worship. And Romans 12:1 says that worship is sacrifice of yourself. It's giving up of your whole self, Romans 12:1 as an offering, a living offering, not a dead offering, but while you're alive, you get to give an offering. Now, when you're dead, when you're dead, you're dead. Offering, done. But a living offering is where the king of kings gets to sit on the throne that he always wanted. He never wanted another throne. See, when the Jews thought that Jesus was gonna come, the Messiah was gonna come, they imagined him sitting on an earthly throne, and he's like, I don't want that throne. That's not the throne I came for him came for. I want the throne that's in my temple, and I'm going to make it the holy of holies, and it's your heart. How awesome is that? That's the God that loves us and wants to move in us. So if you want to see and experience a move of God, a, a, a revival, you've got to give him your heart. You might be here today, and you're saying, man, I don't know about this Jesus thing. Listen, I didn't either, but I didn't have to. Never read a Bible verse, never heard really the name of Jesus outside of a cuss word. That was it. Never opened a Bible, nothing. And when I met Jesus, and he sat on the throne of my heart, his presence moved in my life. He wants to move in your life today. Today, we're going to talk about Romans 15, and we're going to preach through the whole passage, praise the Lord. Uh, so my job is to do the whole thing. And so what we're going to do is we're going to read through, and then there's things the Lord has really highlighted to me uh, that he wants to do and how he wants to move in us. And so today is not another list of shape up and do betters. Today is a list. It's, it's, it's the response of when Jesus is on the throne of your heart. Did I say that right? I did say it right. Romans 15, verse 1. We who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. And that's in reference to chapter 14. Pastor Rick Benjamin did a phenomenal job teaching about how we don't need to get caught up in all these little petty doctrines that are really not very consequential to just 
just distract us from the essentials about Jesus, which is about his love and about his kingdom moving in our life and us building one another up and not about food or days we worship and all this other stuff. We need to be strong and we must be considerate of those who are sensitive or in, the, in chapter 14 said are weaker believers because they carry all kinds of rules about how they need to live, right? So those that are considered weaker are those that really have to have all these rules and make up all this stuff that they think they need to do in order to be right with God. But we know that to be right with God, we have to do what? Give our life to Jesus. And he makes us right. And he says, the only law you keep now is the law of love. That's just a little recap of a couple chapters, kind of all bundled up in one little tannerized phrase, okay, right? We must not just please ourselves. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord, for even Christ didn't live to please himself, as the scriptures say. The insults of those who insult you, O God, have fallen on me. Such things were written in the scripture long ago to teach us, and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promise to be fulfilled. May God, who gives the patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for the followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given glory. Remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises he has made to, the, to their ancestors. He also came so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercies to them. That is what the psalmist meant when he wrote, For this I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to your name. And in another place it's written, Rejoice with his people, you Gentiles. And yet again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Praise him, all you people of the earth. And in another place, Isaiah said, to, uh, The heir to David's throne will come, and he will rule over the Gentiles. Thank Jesus, right? They will place their hope on him. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Who wants some of that? A little confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 14, I am fully convinced, my dear brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness. You know these things so well. You can teach others all about them. Even so, I have been bold enough to write about some of these points, knowing that all you need is this reminder, for by by God's grace, I am a special messenger of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. I bring you the good news so that I might present you as an acceptable offering to God made holy by the Holy Spirit. So I have reason to be enthusiastic about all Christ Jesus has done through me and my service to God. Yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me. Bringing the Gentiles to God by my message and by the way I worked among them, they were convinced by the power of the miraculous signs and wonders and the power of God's Spirit. In this way I have fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Lycerium. It's a cereal or something, right? Or a place. 
Elysrium. Elysrium? Whatever you want. By my ambition, (laughs) my ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard. Rather than where the church has already been started by someone else, I have been following the plan spoken in the scriptures where it says, those who have never been told about him will see and those who have never heard of him will understand. In fact, my visit to you has been delayed so long because I have been preaching in these places. But now I have finished my work in these regions and after all these long years of waiting, I'm eager to visit you. I'm planning to go to Spain, and when I do, I will stop off in Rome. And after I have enjoyed your fellowship for a little while, you can provide for my journey. But before I come, I must go to Jerusalem and take a gift to the believers there. For you see, the believers of Macedonia and Achaia have eagerly taken up an offering for the poor among the believers in Jerusalem. For they were glad to do this because they feel they owe a real debt to them since the Gentiles received the spiritual blessing of the good news from the believers in Jerusalem. They feel the, at the least they can do is return, uh, to do in return is to help them financially. As soon as I have delivered the money and complete, completed this good deed of theirs, I will come to see you on my way to Spain, and I am sure that when I come, Christ will richly bless our time together. Dear brothers and sisters, I urge you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to join in my struggle by praying to God for me. Do this because of your love for me given to you by the Holy Spirit. Pray that I will be rescued from those in Judea who refuse to obey God. Pray also that the believers there will be willing to accept the donation I'm taking to Jerusalem. Then, by the will of God, I will be able to come to you with a joyful heart and we will be encouraged and and we will be an encouragement to each other. And now, may God who gives his peace be with you all. Amen. Amen. Come on. That was a load. Here's a load. All right. Okay. So there's a lot of really important things in here, of course. And there's a lot of things you might want us to talk about, but I'm going to talk about what I think God wants me to talk about. So there. <laughs> God, you're so good. We just love you, Jesus. We're just totally in love with you. And today we want to just grow. More than anything, we know that we don't have to know it all. We just want you, Jesus, to fill us all. God, fill us with your love. Fill us with your mercy. And God, today I'm asking you for fresh wisdom. I believe your church needs wisdom now more than ever before. This church, us, in our lives, with our children, with our parents, with our families, with our uh, community, and our jobs, and the church, and the workplace, everywhere, God, in in politics, and in, in our nation. Jesus, we need your wisdom today to pour out and renew our minds and our lives, and we want to be submitted to you, God, and we want all of our hearts and our ambition to be about your kingdom, Jesus. So we call you, we crown you King Jesus of our hearts today. And we ask for your best by your spirit in Jesus' name, amen. What I see in here is really a, a powerful guide that comes from really so much of the entire book of Romans. We feel, uh, we, we feel the Lord, um, or Paul through the Lord, like kind of wrapping up the entire letter to the, to the Roman church. And he's drawing from so many of the lessons that he taught throughout the entire 
book of Romans. And so it, without going back and recapping everything, we're just going to kind of grab a lot of that stuff. The foundation of it is by God's grace and by his power that we are transformed, we are saved, we are made new, we are renewed. It is not by our own efforts. And it, there, there is no condemnation for all of us that are hidden in Christ. And all of our sin doesn't just pile up to become this big like showcase to show off how good God really is. Rather, Jesus has really saved us from all of our sin and filled us with his love and his grace. And Romans 8 says that we are actually predestined to be made in the image of Christ. That there is something powerful happening on the inside of us that's transforming us all the time to look like Jesus. And as we fall in love with him, we don't have to worry about the law anymore. Because Jesus finished it. It says in, in Romans 10 that it's done. That he actually completed everything the law was purposed for, was to declare the Messiah, and to prove what real righteousness was and that we could not do it without him. And he came and he rescued us. And so he says, that uh, Jesus said, I fulfilled the whole law. It's finished. And from that place, all I'm asking you to do is obey the law of love. You gotta love big. You gotta learn how to do this. We have to, we have to draw from the relationship that Jesus talked about himself in John 15 to connect to the vine, to pull on his grace and his grace alone to see the manifestation of God's love in our life. Love is not something you try to do. It's who you are. Because it's who God is and it's who he is living in you. And as you are perfected by his love, manifesting itself in your life, the rest of your behaviors start to look like love. And so as we look today, we're pulling on all this stuff. We're pulling on the truth of who Jesus really is and all that he's really done. That's what all this whole book is about. It's Jesus is the centerpiece. And all of Romans is saying, look at what he's done. It's ridiculous. And watch what it will produce in your life. And so I want you to think about as you pull on this or connect to this love relationship with God, what it will produce in your life. It will produce a mature lifestyle. A mature believer. And so God is wanting to grow up his church and, and to mature his believers to become strong. All of last week's message in 14 is about weak and strong believers. And this first verse, it says that we who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive. But in the message translation, it says it like this. Those of us who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter and not just do what is most convenient for us. Strength is for service, not status. Make a t-shirt. Make a hat. You're like, the message Bible said something good. Yeah, sometimes the message Bible's amazing. Sometimes it just nails it. Strength is for service, not status. Who is the most powerful person in the entire universe? Sunday school answer, Jesus. Jesus, in all of his power and glory, to display how awesome and powerful he was, he did not set you and I in a grandstand before him and say, watch me create the universe. Was anybody there? Do you remember it? You weren't there. Instead, he took his disciples, who were a bunch of humble, ignorant dudes, and he sat them down and he fed them and he tells them this crazy riddle about breaking his body and giving him his blood and drinking it. And they're like, okay, we'll figure out what that thing really means. And he strips down to his little tunic and he washes their feet. 
which is the thing a servant did only. And he's the most powerful person in the planet, the universe. He's God. And he is showing us what service is like. Serving is not for status. It's not for showing off. Strength, power is not for status. It's for serving. And the strong among us are the greatest servants because their heart is beating with the love of Jesus. Love, driven, believers, not fakers, not pretenders, believers. Your life can be kind of messed up and you're making a lot of mistakes, but love can be strong. You get around somebody, you're like, yeah, you're a beautiful mess. I love you. But man, do I feel God's love through your life? That's what Jesus is looking for. Not a plasky cupcake Christian lifestyle that looks all nice but tastes kind of dumb. That's what I think of cupcakes, if you ever wondered. <laughs> Verse two, each of us needs to look after the good of the people around us. Think about this. A strong, mature believer has a lifestyle that's coming, emanating from this heart of love, this, this passion, love relationship with Jesus being on the throne of our heart, and it is producing this outward looking, looking to others, not into ourselves. It says each of us needs to look after the good of the people around us. We're actually looking for them as mature believers. How can I help? It says, go back to verse two in the message. Verse one, two, there you go. How can I help? Verse three, that's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't make it easy for himself, right? Jesus didn't make it easy for himself. He's God. He can do anything he wants. And he stepped into our troublesome disaster. Exactly what Jesus did. He didn't make it easy for himself by avoiding people's trouble, but waited right in to help out. I took on the troubles of the troubled. That's what, the way the scripture puts it. Is that great? I think that as Americans... It, it, the mindset of Americans is like, hey man, let's let the government take care of the troubled. Let's let the system take care of the troubled. That's what I pay my tithes and offerings for is that the pastor will take care of the troubled. That doesn't scale, folks. Just want you to know. You guys got me beat. I can't do that job. But I can do whatever I can. But it takes all of us being willing to wade in to the troubles and looking out for the interests of others. I could have quoted at least a dozen scriptures in this passage, but I decided just to use this one. Because they're everywhere. Jesus talked about it. All in almost every epistle it talks about this is look for the interests of others, not only to your own. So we just have to mature believers when love of Jesus is beating in our heart because he's sitting on the throne. It drives us to look outside ourselves and look to help others and to be willing to wade into their troubles. But a heart of judgment looks at others and says, you don't measure up and so you're not good enough for me to come to. But Jesus looked at his people that were a total disaster and from afar off like he said about himself when he said about the prodigal, father, the prodigal son's father. He says when his son was a humongous disaster and screwed it all up, when he was afar off, he ran to him. And he said, you're my son. And he put his best on him. He waded into his trouble. You and I are called, we're destined with the love of God inside of us to wade into the troubles of others. We've got to get our eyes up and start looking 
Love drives us to look. Considerate. Considerate of others. And love does this. It builds up. It builds up the church. Love actually, as mature believers are always building up the church. Romans 14, 20 says this. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. In verse 26, he goes on to just talk through there, and just going back in 15 where he's really talking about this church in Macedonia is not looking at themselves. They're actually this giving church that gets impacted and saved and transformed because of the church in Jerusalem. As the church in Jerusalem was reaching out and all these believers get saved in Macedonia and they have this response, not in competition, not in jealousy, not in trying to be better than somebody else. Instead, they go, what can we do? Well, it's too far for us to go travel back over there and do something. It's dangerous anyway. And they go, let's just take up an offering. Let's give it to Paul and let's bless him. Let's take care of the poor of the believers, right? Let's do something. But they didn't see the other church as some sort of competition to be waging war against. It's the other believers as someone they were competing against. Instead, their heart was so filled with love that they gave. The kingdom lifestyle, when Jesus on the, is on the throne of your heart, it, it love is beating, his love is beating through your veins and through your spirit. You become a giver of everything in your life. And you're looking to other people's interests, but you're looking to build up. And in Romans 12, we look at that whole lifestyle out of Romans 12. It's really making a big pull on that Romans 12 passage, which is like really the heartbeat of the entire book of Romans, guys. It just says like, your life has got to be about building up your one body. All the gifts in the believers all together are designed to work together in harmony and to build up the body of Christ. But it's when you and I, when Jesus lives on the throne of our heart, all jealousy and envy fades away. Because this is the thing. You can't be a giver if you're jealous. You can't be a giver. You can't build others up if there's envy in your heart. Envy and jealousy is actually the language of the enemy. It, envy and jealousy says, I want what you have. I'm actually competing for what you have. And from church to church, it's believers. Oh my gosh, I need your people. You know, what I need is Jesus to be on the throne of my heart. And I'm a giver. My job is to sow and to give. And to do whatever he tells me to do. Because he's the owner and I'm the steward. Of everything. My life, my time, my treasure, my talents, everything. He's the owner, I'm the steward. And when that happens, I can give things away because they don't belong to me. They're not mine. It's like, what do you want to do with your stuff, Lord? Here you go. Tell me what to do with it. It's his stuff. You're his stuff. I'm his stuff. Your time is his stuff. Your treasures are his stuff. It's all his, and we're just stewards of it. God, what do you want to do today with your stuff? Because it's so easy for me to transfer and give away what doesn't belong to me. You ever give away someone else's money before? It's kind of a weird experience. I've had people give me money before and say, I want, the Lord told me to get you to give this to somebody. I'm like, okay. Well, it isn't mine. So it's like, ooh, this is kind of fun. 
bam. That's how it is all the time, actually. When, if, if we would live that way, life gets really, really exciting. A mature believer is a builder. Someone who builds up. But so many times we get caught into jealousy and envy where we're basically wishing that the kingdom of God would be held back in others. Torn down in others. Boo. That's the devil's business, right? Devil's always tearing the church down. Mature believers are always building it up. But when you get focused just on you and you're a weaker, less strong believer, jealousy starts to rise up. You know you're jealous when you can't celebrate the win of another believer. <laughs> okay, slow down. Think about it. Think about you. No condemnation for those who are caught up in Christ Jesus, but there's no reward for those who work on the devil's principles. That's also the truth. No reward. When we're building on his plan, when we're tearing and working against God, Paul, who when he was Saul, who wrote this book, when he was destroying the church and tearing it down, he was jealous. He was envious of all the Christians that were getting all this accolades, and he was afraid that they were going to steal and take all his position he worked for his whole life. That's how every Pharisee felt, I promise you, because there's a power structure. And it was, being under, it was actually completely destroyed and undermined by the power of Jesus. Finished in one day. They're like, what? I don't have a spot anymore? Yep, you're done. We're all the same. You're like, ah! That freaked him out, and they fought hard. Paul got no when he was Saul, no reward when he was doing the devil's business. He didn't get reward for all that shenanigans. When he was jealous and envious and he was destroying the church, he got a reward after he turned his heart to Christ and he put Jesus on the throne. He began to build up the believers and give of his life. That's where our reward is found and caught up in. But you and I, we know we're jealous when we can't celebrate the win of others. When someone else is succeeding, we can't just give them a high five and say, man, you did awesome. If you can't openly praise another person, you're jealous. You're building on the devil's tools. Ladies. Hey, ladies. Jealousy. Isn't it weird that we all kind of struggle with different stuff, right? Like guys struggle with pride and competing against each other. And it's not 100% universal, right? Okay, so don't just say it is because we can all struggle with stuff. But it does seem that lots of ladies, especially in hair salons, struggle with jealousy. <laughs> I guess it's to any salon, right? I mean, probably just the salon atmosphere. Is that if you as a believer, ladies, men, whoever you are, if, if you cannot openly praise another woman, say gals, women to women, you can't openly praise another woman when they're succeeding, you're jealous. Just admit it. Just see it in there. Let the Lord just grab that little thorn because you're not made for it. It's, it's taking up space on the king's seat. That's his spot. And your jealousy is an idol that Jesus is like, that's my seat. Get that junk off my seat. Only for him. Okay? Come on now. So I want to challenge you. This week, become a mature believer. Ladies, find another woman who's amazing. Eleanor, you are so amazing and prophetic. What you did was beautiful and incredible. Joni, when you're singing today, I know you're my wife, but I think you are an amazing worshiper, right? You're just, 
beautiful inside and out. You make beautiful noises. You make things beautiful. Beautiful noises. Beautiful songs. See, everything's beautiful about her. But can you do that simply? Can you let someone else shine around you? Or do you have to shine everybody? Jealousy, envy, tools of the enemy. We're called mature believers are always building up. Never miss an opportunity to build somebody up because you're afraid they might stumble. <laughs> They're going to stumble. What they need is to be built up to help them keep from stumbling. Less. Just less. How about if we all stumbled about maybe 20% less? It'd be pretty awesome. That'd be a nice upgrade. But what we need is the positivity of one another building and drawing and helping and encouraging us all the time. We don't need another criticism. I promise you. Here's what it goes on to say. Love builds up. Jealousy tears down, right? Okay, so we're going to just draw a circle around that. You can draw a square if you like squares better. I promise you circles are more spiritual. <laughs> I really like circles. And... Live in harmony is what it goes on to say here. This is another sign of a mature believer, is that we learn and we know how to live in harmony. And this is what the scripture says, is that it makes our worship actually complete. It actually takes our worship to another level. Look at 15 verse 5. Make God who gives this patience and encouragement. Who gives patience and encouragement? God. If you need that, go to him. And especially if you you ask him, somebody's calling me. <laughs> if you ask him for patience, oh Lord, make me patient, you better draw on the Holy Spirit right away. Because he's going to put circumstances in front of you to test you, right? Give you an opportunity, opportunity with the Holy Spirit. That's always good. Let's, let's press into the patience and encouragement through the Holy Spirit. But look here, it says that it will help us live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for the followers of Christ. It's fitting for the followers of Christ to live in harmony. This is kind of like what we're made for. You ever try to put a glove on that's too small? It's uncomfortable, right? Any piece of clothing that wasn't fit for you? You ever see somebody wearing clothes that weren't fit for them? You ever see a millennial wearing clothes that aren't fit for them? <laughs> so I'm not picking on you millennials. We love you. Sometimes the clothes are dead. In Gen X, they never wore clothes that fit them either. They're just way too big. And millennials, I think, is just way too small, right? <laughs> I'm just saying stuff right now, guys, okay? Don't take it personal. All right. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See that? Worship. Worship begins, our life working together begins to glorify him. The enemy's nature is self-focused. And when the self-focus rules, I look at myself, then this thing called dissonance rather than harmony begins to set in. And dissonance is where actually things begin to collide and not work together. And of course we think directly, like right away about harmonies in music, right? Is when someone is singing a note that has dissonance in it, it is actually crashing into the other notes. And it like disrupts them and it makes us all go, ah. 
That's not good. But when the notes begin to work with each other, that harmony becomes beautiful and it actually accentuates the other places. You can't really get harmony if you don't have some of these other pieces. If jealousy and envy is in your heart, you'll never work harmony. You just try to outshine and outshow all the others. Right? Harmony is a beautiful thing that I wish I could be a part of, musically. Some things I've been left, left out of in my life. But I'm not jealous. I'm not jealous. Jesus, I love and I bless those who sing better than me. They're amazing. Thank you for bringing them in my life to make my life more awesome. Amen? When we live in harmony, the song of Christ, the love song of Christ, begins to resonate. It begins, it moves us, right? So I'm gonna take my family and we're gonna do an object lesson. They don't even know it because they were teasing me just a second ago. I decided I'm gonna do it. So, hi, beautiful family members. Uh, we're just gonna, Jesus, I love you, right? We can just sing that. Just you by yourself, right? Just you by yourself, Susie, okay? Jesus, I love you. And then you're gonna sing a harmony. And watch how much more beautiful it gets, right? Just watch this, by yourself. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. All right, all three together. I don't Jesus. have another one. What? Just keep, you can do a third one. You can too. Come on, here we go. I don't know. Jesus, I love you. Keep going. Okay, don't stop. Keep going. Keep going. Jesus, I love you. I love you. Jesus, I love you. I love you. Mm. See? That's beautiful, right? Okay. This is the way God, this is what God wants to do with our lives together. Your life should make someone else's song that much more awesome. Every single time. I didn't even know you were going to be here. How cool. I was just going to pick some other random person to sing with Joni. So beautiful. And this is one thing. As I, I've always listened. I've grew up like, I have struggled with jealousy of them because they're so awesome. And I just said, Lord, I'm just thankful you bring that kind of beauty into our world. And you, you listen to sisters sing, and their voices are similar, right? And the closer we get to one another, and we allow our life to get to one another, even the more cool it gets. It's like I was meant for that. In the body, it's saying, harmony, you're fit for harmony. That's actually the clothes that fit you best. fits you best is as God's love is moving through your life and you're celebrating the wins of others and you're like destroying every act of disobedience with an act of obedience by praising and honoring what God has made beautiful. God made each one of us and he said, that's good. That's my boy. That's my girl. They are beautiful. They are made to bring 
joy, to bring life, to bring love into the rest of the body of Christ. And they're made to make one another shine and even better, sound even better, be even better. Is your life fitted in harmony? Have you cleaned off all the spot, spots on the seat of the throne of your heart that only King Jesus would be there and only the love that he has would be shining through and loving others and bringing about that beautiful song. Come on. You're fit for harmony and when you live in harmony, worship actually becomes more complete. Worship starts to just rise up and it begins to elevate among all of us. But that leads us to something else. And in verse seven, it says, therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. Love leads to acceptance. As you love other people, we begin to include others. As we see others in God's love and his heartbeat is pounding in our chest and is flowing through our spirit, it begins to just wrap people up and include them and accept them and say, you're beautiful, you're important, I don't care if you're troubled, I'm waiting into your life right where you're at and I'm gonna love you big. I'm gonna love you strong to the best of my ability by the grace of God living in me, I'm gonna love and lift you and I'm gonna celebrate you no matter where you're at. What is God asking you to do? But I promise you, he's asking you to accept others. As a mature believer, as a strong believer, you don't need others to be perfect. We don't need them to be perfect. Perfect love lives in us. That's all we need. And it's our chance and our time to just let that love begin to just pour out. But there is an ambition that God is expecting you to have and he wants you to have. And Paul had an ambition. There are some ambitions that are not good. But the ambitions in the kingdom, God wants us to thrive in. Paul had an ambition in verse 20. He said that my ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ Jesus has never been heard rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. He had this powerful ambition to just drive all over the world. Just drive all over the devil's territory and the devil's stuff and just smash it all up. And, and he just wanted to go into new territory and bring the love of God everywhere he went. It reminds me of this photo that I found of this tank driving over. Oh, it's not bright enough, really. This tank here just driving over everything. There is a tank inside you. That's the ambition of Christ to move the kingdom and crush the devil's stuff. Just smash all his stuff. You're driving a Sherman tank, man, of God's love. And it's designed to just roll over everything. What is the ambition in your heart that God placed there by a spirit to trash the enemy's stuff and to establish the kingdom of God on earth? Romans earlier said that the whole world is eagerly just groaning and asking, children of God, do something for Jesus. The tank in you. It's unstoppable to roll over everything. What is the ambition for Christ? Not your selfish ambition. Let there be no selfish ambition. But you need an ambition for Jesus. And he gave you gifts to have an ambition to change the world for someone by the love of God. What is it? Who are you? It can never be about you. It's always about Jesus. It's always about him thriving. And Paul said, even in verse 18, he says, I don't dare boast about anything except what Christ is doing through me and what he's doing in you. That I'm going to boast about. I'm not going to have my own ambition. In fact, there's all kinds of places in here where he's kind of like, hey, 
if God wills, I'm going to be here to do this and that, but I am a steward. I'm not in charge. God is. But I do drive a tank. Okay? It's fueled with God's love. And nothing can stop God's love. Love conquers all. That's what Corinthians 13 says, is love defeats everything. Pursue it like it's going out of style or something. It talks about praying for each other and the importance of praying for each other and how, how it drives us. But this is the things I want to sort of close with. This God is calling us, verse 15, 19, chapter 15, 19, is to bring the full gospel. He says, they were convinced by the power, these unbelievers, these Gentiles, were all convinced by the power and miraculous signs and wonders, by the power of God's Spirit. In this way, I have fully presented the good news of Christ from Jerusalem to, you know, that place. <laughs> Such a weird city. So three L's or is it an <laughs> There is a gospel that the devil wants to cheapen. And you might be like weirded out or afraid of the Holy Spirit, like speaking in tongues and people praying for the sick and raising people from the dead. Hey, chill. This is the full gospel, man. Yeah, people do weird stuff. You're right. There are weirdos everywhere, believers and non-believers, Right? But that doesn't cheapen the Holy Spirit. And what he wants to do is miracles through you and I. He wants to drive his Sherman tank of love all over everything, and he wants to show off his miraculous signs so that people encounter his love. It's love-driven. It's not your glory-driven. You see, it's for God's glory always, which leads people into a love relationship with him. But he wants you to get out and drive the full gospel he doesn't want you to drive a Habsy gospel. Habsy anything is dumb and lame and stupid and boring. I don't want to do Habsy church. I don't want to do Habsy loves. I don't want to do a Habsy marriage or be a Habsy parent. All that leads to boring, ineffective. But God wants us to drive a full gospel. And it comes with miracles. It comes with healing. It comes with transformation. It comes with life. And it comes with full passion all in, all together. He says this, verse 14 says, I am fully convinced, my dear brothers and sisters, that you're full of goodness. You already know all this stuff. You can teach each other about this. Even so, I've been bold enough to write about some of these points so because you need a reminder. I'm just saying that to you today. You just need a reminder. The living God is inside of you, and he wants to drive all over the enemy's stuff that doesn't belong to him. It's actually your stuff that he stole, and it belongs to God, and he wants you to go steward that thing by driving your tank all over it, right? But you're full of his goodness, church. You're just chuck full of God's goodness. And God wants you to just begin to pour that out. But it's Colossians 1.27. We get this revelation. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You're so full of Jesus. Just give your life to him. You're so full of all you need. And the goodness of God lives in you. Mature believers allow goodness, good things 
to flow through their life. Romans 15, 13, as we just close, I want you to see this. He says this. I pray that God, the source of hope, is settled there. Somebody in here needs to know that Jesus is the source of your hope. You've been feeling like giving up. You've been wanting to walk into despair and God's saying, I am your hope. I'm the source of your hope. Don't look to anything else. Don't look to some circumstance to get righted or something to come together. Just look to me. Eleanor prophesied it. Seek first Jesus. That's the kingdom of heaven, guys. Just Jesus. Go after him. He's the source of help, hope. He will fill you completely. Who wants some of this? With joy and peace. Not because you get everything you want. Not because your circumstances is no longer a, a trial or, or you're not struggling still. No, it says because you trust him. It's the key, church. Connect to the vine. That's the Lord Jesus himself. That personal relationship of him living on the throne, seeking him first. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power, not your power, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. You close your eyes with me for one moment. Let's just begin to worship Jesus. Jesus, you're king of my heart. Again, as we started, Lord, Jesus, you're Lord of my life. You're king of my heart. You are my everything. I sweep off jealousy and envy. I believe the Lord wants to break that off our church. And right now, I break off jealousy and envy. I celebrate the wins and the lives of other believers around me. God, we bless the other churches in our community. We bless the other believers in the nation, Lord. We want to see you win, King Jesus, and all of them. And Lord, right now, I bless every believer around me in this church. God, I speak favor. Come on, this is just me. This is all of us. Lord Jesus, we speak favor over every believer in this place. God, we pray that you would cause your success and your love to well up in them. We bless their families. We bless their marriages. We bless their finances. We bless their gifts. God, we ask that you would supercharge them to be filled with the power of your love, God. That every good thing that you've destined for them will be over them. It'll be in them. It'll be moving through them, God. Your love will crash over them. And God, your love will move through their life like a giant Sherman tank to wreck the devil's territory and to just crash into the lives of people around them. God, let your goodness flow and fill up inside of each one of us, God. We pray that we'll look to the interests of others, God. We'll see other people, that our ambitions will be powerful, God. They'll be mighty for you, God. And you'll help us all to live in harmony, that our song would make someone else's more beautiful, Jesus. Your Lord, your King of my life. If you're here today, and you said, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life or give your life back to Jesus. Will you stretch your hand in the air? I'd like to pray for you specifically. Thank you. Anybody else? Jesus, I want to, I want to surrender my life to you. I see you. I see your hands back there too. Anybody else? Jesus, I just need to give my life to you. Just pray this with me. If you raise your hand, say, Jesus, you are king. Jesus, you are God. And I love you. I give my heart to you today. And I make you Lord of my life. Save me from my sin. Rescue me from my life. Love me big today, God. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and everything you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.